0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast brought to you by the Let's Chat YouTube channel. So today we've got um, a bit of an interesting one. We have got with us um, Dave or Mindset by Dave as a lot of you might know him from Twitch who deals with mental health in a variety of areas. There's a lot of podcasts. Is far more better, um, far more better. Well, there you go with the English is better than <laughs> I do it here. So um, we're going to be talking today about eating disorders, which Dave uh, definitely has a better um, knowledge and lived experience than I personally do. Um, and that's why we get people on. So, um, as always, guys, we're going to swear, we're going to talk shit. That's just what we do on this podcast. Please do like, comment and subscribe. It always helps um, get other people onto this podcast. It also helps for people that may need it to actually see these podcasts as well. So, Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, actually. I'm uh, having a great old time. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. It's, I was going to say it's relatively early. It isn't actually that early, but (laughs) it was when we first started talking. It was when we first started. So we've had a bit of a discussion behind the scenes. um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's early-ish. Like a lot of these um, podcasts I tend to do at the other end of the the day. So I suppose in terms of that, it's, it's, um, it's early, but yeah, it's okay. Having fun with um, a few different things at the moment, but not doing too bad. So um, as I say, the reason you're kind of here is always like to get people on for, um different reasons sometimes it's just that um, i want a different opinion on something we've already talked about but for for yourself um this is something that this podcast even before we were an independent podcast never spoke about and that's eating disorders now you've been quite open in um your streams um and on various other platforms about the fact that you um previously suffered or I, that's the wrong term but you have suffered from um uh bulimia yeah i think it was um but non-purge bulimia now i know i'm going to speak for most of the country here in going we didn't know that was a thing (laughs) um and um, you know uh, we spoke off camera about the fact that when i was losing weight from when i was really big that i ate massively and i had those binges and yourself i don't know may go well actually that's probably the same thing i don't know yeah I think the, the the knowledge for a lot of us on the idea of eating disorders is basically nothing. We, we see the news. And it's something I, I complain about for other mental health issues all the time is that we see the TV, we see what they've done on, I was going to say, Biker Grove from Brookside but most people watching this will not have any fucking idea Brookside, what those dad. programs are <laughs> um, that's very much our time period than anybody else's but that you know there's there's TV programs where people have have um, dealt with it and that's our opinion of it because that's the way it's been written in so can you kind of tell us a bit more about um, yourself and also what the hell non-purge bulimia is? Okay, um,
1: right. So I'll I'll go with what non purge bulimia is first because that's that's actually easier to de- to define than telling you about myself. As as anyone who's ever heard me introduce myself knows, it's just a dangerous question. <laughs> um, but I will go down a specific route with it today, which we'll be talking about this stuff. Um, non purge bulimia. So basically, everyone, ev- no, not everyone, but most people understand about bulimia itself bulimia is a period of a period of excess followed by a period of um, a period of release a purge so a person would have it's different from binge eating disorder in the fact that binge eating disorder is is uncontrollable binging and eating a substantial amount of food almost almost kind of unconsciously um almost kind of like without sort of too much control and then nothing as a result of that and actually that was that was how my non-purge bulimia did start it was binge eating disorder before it was non-purge bulimia Um, and actually you know you said like most people wouldn't know what non-purge bulimia was I didn't until I studied eating disorders and and, and finally I was like oh right okay that's what I did looking at the behavior kind of pattern of him and so purge bulimia is basically where you binge and then you purge that could be immediately. So like a person would vomit or use laxatives. Um, or it could be like you, the, the ratio is not one to one, for example. So it's not every binge equals a purge. It is for a lot of people, but it's not always. And um, so it could be, it could be like six to one. You know, you've six out six days out of the week you binge, one day out of the week you purge. Um and non purge bulimia is essentially the same but instead of controlling the calorie perspective through purges, you control it through starvation. So um so I would I, and again I didn't even realize I was doing this when it was happening, but I would have these long periods where I would just fast and um the very first time it actually happened was was a charity event for school so I thought it was totally and utterly for um, for benevolent purposes really Mm. but it made me feel something like it made me feel this strange element of control that the purge or the i suppose the restriction is a control element you know you feel out of control with the binge whereas with the, the with the the purge um you feel in control at least for the moment of it and um so i actually then started just regularly Regularly fasting, you know, off like, and I calling it fasting basically, just totally and utterly concealing it in plain sight. And um, how I actually started, I was getting bullied in school, and um, I would go home and take comfort in a pack of biscuits, which basically would be uh, I'd dunk biscuits and tea until there was no tea left to dunk biscuits into. Um, just a little slushy mess at the bottom of the mug that actually thinking about it now still makes me want to go and do it
0: <laughs> oh no I'm even having that thought now yeah I mean it's also a very British thing to do is that the you know you're checking which biscuit is right for the tea as well it's it almost seems normal I think as well is that oh no it wasn't problem, it wasn't which biscuit
1: to... it was all the biscuits they all uh, well were. yeah fair like, enough. <laughs> it was more like it was more like which ones going in first and really it was, it was just the top of it it was custard creams and bourbons were the two weapons of choice you know um And at that time I could, you know, I lived in Anfield in Liverpool and I could like little quick save that was on Priory Road. I could go down there and get a packet of biscuits for about 10p. Um, So it wasn't much in my pocket money. And I would basically binge until there was nothing left to binge. And the thing is, uh, this is... um... This is something I describe as a boomerang these days. It's it gives you something positive in the process, and this is where with binge eating disorder, people tend to do it because the bingeing itself gives them some sort of form of escapism or some form of comfort from the stresses and pains that they're experiencing in their life. The first feelings of it are positive. Um, Then the boomerang comes whipping back, which is you've gotten the 99 problems that were there before, and now you've got the self-loathing. Now, the self-loathing wasn't there. I don't even remember when it kicked in, to be perfectly honest. It just, but I know it kicked in. I, I can't say whether it was the first week or the first month or even the first year, but I went from being bullied in school about being, about two things. One, I had the audacity to put my hand up and answer questions in class. And number two is I was, I had a very poor family at the time. So I was bullied about not having, it was kickers or rock ports were the two most popular kind of, the only thing I was in, you know, obviously a UK school, which means we had uniform. My uniform was all nice and pressed and stuff, but my, my shoes were like the, the ones from Asda or whatever, which, which at the time is like, you know, I'm like was was a cardinal sin in the school that I was in really. And um and then I started getting bullied about my weight. But instead of then doing anything about the weight, I just still carried on going back to the food. So now I'm feeling I'm getting these extra feelings of remorse and the whole thing just becomes a cycle, you know. The problem is the feeling bad makes you get turned to the behavior but then the behavior makes you feel bad, which makes you turn to the behavior. So it becomes, it becomes a bit of a cycle. Uh, and then it was, it was year 11. Um, year 11 might've been the sponsored silence. There was like two things that people thought I could never do one because I was by that point, I was like, you know, heavier in stones than I was in in years, you know, um, the heaviest I ever got up to was 23 stone six. And, um, and by that point, people thought, and I'd never stop talking, as everyone is already familiar with who's listening to this right now. <laughs> um, so there were two things that people thought I could never do. One was a sponsored silence, and um, one was a sponsored fast. I did this first sponsored fast, and from that point on, it was like, okay... I like the feeling of this restriction. Now, the restriction or the purge for purge bulimia is another one of these boomerangs. It gives a person something. It gives. There's two things that the purge tends to give. And I have purged um, a bunch of times as well, but I just can't stand it. So mm-hmm. thankfully, I never. I, it never took hold. But there's two things that the purge gives. One, it gives the element of control back. Again, in a short space of time, boomerang going forward. Um, and then, but it also gives a state of euphoria. So it's kind of like it it gives a certain pleasurable state, um, which can, for a lot of people, become something that they actually want and they enjoy. Which again, it's like, this is the whole thing. It's, you, it's one of one of these boomerangs because it gives that state. And when that euphoria fades or when that level of control fades, the boomerang comes whipping back and you realize actually this thing is in control of me. Um, oh, I don't like the way, I really now by comparison, don't like the way I feel. If you've never felt in a euphoric state before, then normal feels normal. If you have felt a new for a euphoric state before, normal feels worse. It feels less than normal because it's a comparison. We have a baseline in these things. So when a person then goes back to feeling normal, um, so to speak, um, which I already had intimate, I think probably the reason I didn't maybe take to that so much is because I already I have type two bipolar disorder as well. So I already have intimate familiarity with (laughs) very big highs and very big lows so I'd experienced euphoric or manic states just naturally from life by this point so I guess that might maybe that was a saving grace I don't know um so so yeah so from that point I then carried on doing that until I got involved until I was 24 and when I was 24 I basically had um had a friend on New Year's Eve like you know high on coke several drinks in the system at the same time and at this point this is when i was 23 76 and um he comes up to me i possibly was wearing a t-shirt that said fat people are harder to kidnap at the time i certainly had one at that time period mm. uh he comes up to me and goes right over the next year you and i are gonna uh, see who can lose the most weight and next next year at new year's eve we're gonna um we're gonna do a photo we're gonna take our tops off and have some photos taken and um the winner is going to get 500 quid from the loser and (laughs) first of all i was always one of the type of person that my sense of humor basically was my suit of armor so i never no one would ever have known that i was bothered about being overweight like ever, like hence the fat people are to kidnap T shirt. And I was like, oh, fuck that. I'll take my T shirt off now. Where are the bloody cameras? Bring it on, you know? Like, um, but one thing I realized, you know, three days later after sobered up and the come down had happened um, was he's like 15, 16 stone and would probably drop to 14 stone. I'm 23 stone and could probably drop to 14 stone. Well, I didn't have a number in my head, but the words he'd used was who is the most improved? Not who looked the best at the end of it, who is the most improved. And something about those specific words made me go, he's got no chance. Like I, by, by virtue of where I'm starting from, I'm going to be the most improved. And I'd love to say that my weight loss journey was a big inspirational starting point, but really it was just to piss a friend off and win 500 quid. (laughs) I pissed him off. I never got the 500 quid yet. Um, one day I'm going to go knocking on his this door. Is, this is him calling you out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, Chris, I will not say your surname, but <laughs> Chris, I'm calling you out. Um, but yeah, so after about three months, I'd started to lose weight, like substantially. I'd lost about, you know, a stone and a half, two stone a month. So, and then... I'd had this terrible low self-esteem ever since I was a kid. And suddenly, suddenly everyone started complimenting me, which is why now actually I'm, I am still pro complimenting a person on weight loss. I know that's a controversial standpoint to take, but from living through it, it was one of the big things that helped me along. You know, I, those compliments felt great. And I'm not the type, and I know I'm not the type of person to go, what you didn't think I looked good before. Like, I was just like, people were saying you look good now. And I didn't have the whole, my worth is greater because of this or whatever, anything like that going on. There was none of that. It was just, I'm dealing with the compliments. The compliments is there right now. I'm not used to receiving compliments. I'm used to, when I go and ask the girl out, my my friends getting chosen over me, that's what I was used to. And I I liked it. So it is a very individual thing. But one of the reasons which I got there was the, the idea of eat less, move more. I kicked out the 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 I kicked out basically the uh now eat less move more most basic advice in the face of the planet will help a person lose weight but then what happens if a person wants to lose more weight well they eat even less and they move even more to so the point at which I got really really sick um I went to see I went to see the doctor after about six months and um there's still this is the most bizarre thing actually it's the second most bizarre thing a doctor's ever told me I'll tell you what the first one is in a minute if I remember um but um the most bizarre thing a doctor's ever told me is they said, basically due to my behavior, the speed at which I was losing weight and the fact that I was still obese, I was both obese and anorexic at the same time. Mm. And um, people are like, what you think of anorexia as a size anorexia isn't a size anorexia is a behavior. So at that point I got diagnosed with anorexia as well. And um, because my behavior had become so obsessive now, Looking back over it on the long tail of the things, I had just switched around the ratio. You know, I so said before, there's a ratio. It could be like six to one, or whatever. My ratio was now like one to six. I'd have one day of the week where I would like I would literally set aside for binging, and the the other days of the week I would barely eat anything. I would basically. My mom had a pool at the time, and I would swim in that pool for two and a half hours and eat three slices of turkey. Like you know, like the that that would be my food for the day. Um, and um i would basically have i would have long periods of fasting because that had moved the weight up on the scale like oh sorry moved the weight down on the scale i went from a position of the weight on the scale being a data point which it was at first um and i moved to the position of it being it dictates my worth the lower that number the higher my worth is um and the funny thing is and I've got this my, my before and after photo that I should like, I still use is it's not before after and after it's before in the middle and after, which is like, I've got, I've got 23 stone six at the beginning. I look like I call it the cuddly backstreet boy, frosted tips and everything. It's brilliant. Um, the second one, I call it the crack addict who never touched crack, which is I was addicted to exercise and restriction at that point. Um, and basically, um, I am 14 stone two in that picture. I'm six foot two and I'm quite a big build. So I look like Skeletor, you know, like full on drawn in face. I don't, and, um, and then in the middle one, it's, it's a little bit later on when I'd actually found that I wanted to control, I wanted to not control my food. But certainly not let my, my food control me. And I wanted to kind of have a decent relationship with it. I didn't want to be controlled either direction for it. But the ironic thing for me was, as I said before, I really didn't, you'd never have known. I did hate my body when I was bigger, but I hated my body for one reason. It was big. That was it. When I was 14, so two, I hated my body for so many reasons. It was like, I hated this bit of skin over here, that stretch mark over there. Um, and then I started hating weird things like, not even to do with my weight but like my my beard didn't grow as as even as I wanted it to or you know (laughs) that's why that's why you always see me from this side on the camera because if I go over there I've I've got an empty gap in the end I'm not embarrassed about it in you know, a like, but, I, but, um, but yeah, I started like, don't like, no matter how skinny I got or whatever. I mean, I got down to having, I would call I called it a seven pack. Everyone's like, what the hell's a seven pack? Cause like, well, I got to eight pack level, but the bottom two would never separate. So, um, but that's just because of loose skin and stretch marks and stuff. And if it, had, and, and it's like, well, you need to lo- like lower your body fat percentage even more. It's like, if I did that at that point, I would have been, there'd have been, there'd have been nothing. Well, you know, there'd really been nothing left of me. Um, but I did get into that point where it starts dictating what you do on a day-to-day basis, you know, are oh, stressing because there was a, there was a year where there was a bunch of weddings or oh, there was a year. My wife really loves to travel. And I'd, I'd, I, the only time I'd really traveled before that was to go to Thailand to do training. And, um, because I was obsessed with Muay Thai as well. And, um, and I would stress over the fact of like the of a holiday, because I know that when I'm on holiday, I want to be able to eat and drink and all the rest of it. But, Um, and it was, yeah, it was a good, it was a good few years, but the thing was the fitness industry at the time, um, I was learning about intermittent fasting and I was learning about refeeds and cheat meals and all of these things. And I, I'd become a personal trainer at this point as well. And was, I'd started my training to be a nutritionist and all of this just made sense. And I still hadn't done any work on learning about eating disorders Mm. and all of this just allowed the eating disorder to just sit there in plain sight You know, like I would eat nothing for six days of the week, basically nothing. Uh, And then on a Saturday, I would have a refeed. And a refeed would be, I'd go downstairs and start making breakfast, but I'd already put loads of stuff in the cupboard throughout the week. And this kept me psychologically, like not craving things during the week at all, because my brain was just like Saturday, Saturday. And I would then eat to the point of nearly being sick on a Saturday. By the time I was even making the breakfast, I'm there kind of like, you know, making some bloody bacon paninis or whatever. And I'm there like stuffing a Krispy Kreme donut in my hand, in my face. Uh, You know, I'd buy a box of those 12 Krispy Kreme donuts and go through most of them in the day. Um, And then obviously, then obviously it had to be, well, actually I wouldn't go through most of them in the day. I'd go through all of them in the day because I couldn't throw them out at that point. There was a point where I was like, and actually there's one, there's one little phrase I want to actually say here, because otherwise I'll totally forget to ever come back to this phrase is it took me a long, long time to realize that whether you put it in, when you're binging, whether you put it in the bin or you put it in you, it's still a waste. In fact, it's actually more of a waste to put it in yourself than it is to put it in the bin. We get brought up with the whole, you know, don't throw away food. There's the starving children in Africa. We, you know, we literally, especially our generation, we live through Band-Aid and all of that stuff. All that imagery is still there. But the thing is, if it goes in, I, by that point, I'm basically a bin. <laughs> you know, so I'm putting, yeah. I'm putting it in me, but I'm actually now, you know, if I put it in the bin, it doesn't impact me.
0: but like, it's really hard for you to get past because, I mean, I'm thinking, um, and for, for those of you in the US, you may not really get this. And it's not actually a, a north-south thing that I'm going to say here. But um, I know because my, my father's from the north, he's from Yorkshire. Um, and as you say for my generation i think mean, there's two or three years between us is um there's a very very much especially i, I find it in the in north of me anyway where like you say you can't waste food how dare you waste food like when when i was young i mean my my parents were born during the second world war so it's a very kind of you know you do not waste food so was that actually like even harder for you to to kind of realize because you just went but I can't, you know, you're, you're almost kind of stopped. There's, there's, there's something kind of going, I can't throw I can't do it. It's not right. You know? Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and this, this is like, I mean, again, bear in mind that I, I grew up with, um, I grew up with a very poor family. Mm. So, we, so it was like wasting food or not clearing your plate back then. It was the same. Don't, clear, if you don't clear the plate, you don't get your pudding. Yeah. So the pudding was always presented as a reward. So that link was always in my head, that sweet things equal reward. And, um, But it was like, now the thing is, when my mum couldn't afford to put a lot on the table. Now, when my mum, my mum is an absolute self-made legend she um she went from you know living in a terraced house in Anfield to remortgaging a house to start an insurance company on our dining room table while we ate off the ironing board in the kitchen Finder's crispy pancakes still love those things right, um yeah. and um, very 90s food that very yeah very <laughs> very, very 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 90s food um tr- we're a pack of transformer snacks you know um and she by the time this this all started when I was 12 when um, in the first year of high school um, bipolar diagnosis was given was given when i was 14 and this all, all while all this is going on you know my mum's starting the business and um, she started it when i was about 10 and um like i didn't know where to turn to at home and all the rest of it. And it was like, we just, we just ate what we were given. And that almost kind of like, if you put it in front of me, I'll eat it because, and it's still, it's still kind of the case, to be honest now, um, especially if if I'm at someone else's and if they, whatever size portion they put in front of me, that thing's going um, because it's like, it was kind of put in my head as being disrespectful and stuff is put in my head as being a waste. And, and then when my mum, when my mum could afford to, she suddenly started buying way more food Mm -hmm. and literally the portions became bigger because we could be like the sun on, on, on Sunday, when we had the Sunday roast, you remember those um, Heinz steam puddings in a tin that say
0: they serve eight, but really they only serve two. They served one. I mean, yeah, they (laughs) said, so, I I mean, it's it's interesting because I'm hearing hearing this as well is that, because obviously, as I said before, I used to be big. I was 20-odd stone as well. Um, to give people an idea of why I'm kind of nodding along, I'm going to put a picture above me of what I used to look like. Um, that's why I've been nodding along, kind of smiling, because I, I don't want people to think that I'm, I'm trying to downplay what Dave said. It's literally because I remember it, um, and a lot of that. So I, uh, you say with your weight going down as well. I, I got to 30. I was 20-odd stone. Um, I lost six stone in four months. Um, and I went down to 13 stone seven um, This is also, by the way, um, I'm going to point this out to anyone. The BMI does not really tell you your ideal weight. It was created by a Belgian mathematician who specifically in the way they said it actually said it should never be used on a uh, individual. It was a population. It was a statistical um, anomaly. It's not meant to be used in individuals. It is one of the worst ways of telling someone because I'm also six foot two and broad. Technically, me and Dave should be 13 stone three. To be <laughs> yeah. I was 13 stone seven, and I looked like a skeleton, <laughs> especially if you're broader. Because me and uh, my, my best mate, who's 6'2 who's, um, as well, but he's not got my build. You, he can't be the same weight as me. There's not enough of him to be the same weight. um if he was at 13.3 he'd probably kind of look okay 13.3 for me at 13.7 i was too small and technically bmi says another four another four pounds but yeah i I lost it really fast i was not quite in in the same way so i wouldn't um completely cut stuff out i basically went from eating everything to eating a normal meal yeah Um, and i did do a cheat meal but my cheat meal was not really a cheat meal, but I'd convinced my brain that it was a cheat meal because then it was a reward. So it was basically just a, a different kind of foods that I wasn't eating normally, which the calories were no different, the fat was no different, nothing else was actually that different at all. And I wasn't, but it was, my, I'd convinced my brain, no, 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 this is, this is an amazing cheat meal. It was like a jack of potato with some, <laughs> with, with some veggie chili on it. That, but my mind, I'd convinced my mind, no, that's, that's, that's a real reward. Um, but it's, it is very difficult. It, it, the problem isn't, you said that, um, it's, It's um, not seen as as a nice thing anymore, but I still um, say to people, well done for losing weight, because the the thing is, is that even without uh, the thing that I find really strange about body positivity um, is the idea that body positivity says you should be happy for the body you're in. That's Mm -hmm. great. But if you're not happy, I'm not going to tell someone well done for not being happy which is basically what body positivity has a go at you for when you're telling someone they've done well for losing weight. Cause if they've lost weight because they didn't feel right in their body, like myself and you clearly did not feel right in our bodies, then saying to someone you've done really well, or, or, you know, Oh, that's a, that's a great journey you've been through or whatever you want to word it as um, that's to them is reaffirming because, Oh, awesome. Because they were probably un, un, unhappy with the way they looked. And so they wanted to look um, you know how they do now and so saying you are looking great or actually just say you're looking healthy or something like that then you get told for telling somebody that uh, they look good for losing weight well okay so you want me to tell them they look amazing um, or that they're, they're really good when actually they're hating themselves you want me to reaffirm their own hate which is what yeah. you're telling me to do with body positivity which is bullshit i'm sorry guys <laughs> fuck off with that opinion it's stupid
1: the um, issue the issue with body positivity and i i'm, I'm very pro it but as yes. well, um, um, but the issue with body positivity is it's it's like so many other things out there, so many other movements out there. It's it's ironic. It's suggesting healthy at any size, which is which is provable. It is possible to be healthy at almost any size. Um, there's there's someone, some sumo wrestlers that do really well. It, exactly, but the but the, the thing is, the the idea of it almost contradicts itself because we're saying right, they're trying to create a one size fits all approach. For a population of people, where they're saying that there's no such thing as one size fits all, mm. and the and the, the 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 irony does appear to be lost um, a lot of the time, because ultimately the thing is, body positivity is absolutely right for a lot of people, but it's also not right for some people. Mm. Like the the idea of the idea of like the idea of fat shaming, for example, right? I am extremely against fat shaming especially when it's out of context and you don't know the person, right? Fat shame fat shame, and trolling, all these things, all these things, like telling someone to man up and the, all these things that are kind of, like people like to put a black and white, you shouldn't say them on, on the right. And really it's more like you shouldn't say them to people that you don't understand and don't know. Because there are many people out there, I, for example, David Goggins, and I don't relate to David Goggins in the slightest, but there are many people out there that actually saying those things is the motivator for them. And, a, and, a, and I would say it's about like I've got this expression in on on my show, which is we don't guilt ourselves into greatness, right? Which is me saying don't beat yourself up, don't beat other people up. Great guilt isn't isn't this foundation of greatness. But I always acknowledge that actually, for one ever out of every two hundred or one out of every thousand or whatever, it really is. And what I say is actually, if guilting yourself brings you to greatness, then use it um yeah, but for the vast majority of people and especially you know your vibe attracts your tribe and all that the vast majority guilt doesn't work on me right okay admittedly say that friend saying i did that wasn't guilt that was an opportunity to win <laughs> that, was, that was that was what that was no one no one fat shamed me there was one person once and i remember saying it is like it was the dad of the girlfriend of the drummer in a band i was in that came up and was after the show i know it's a little bit of a that was in a band um, and the drummer's new, the drummer just got a new relationship and the dad, his, his girlfriend's dad was very opinionated and basically came up and said to me, given my size on stage, I sh- I'd probably look better in a muumuu than what I was wearing. And he was thinking that like, that was a compliment, like, you know, giving me some fashion advice and like, and all the rest of it. And I was just like, thanks and that's like the only. that's the only like I've, that's the only one that has really ever stuck with me because it was like someone thinking like i don't know whatever it was but um but that's that didn't work that didn't make me go okay now it made me feel really shitty about my weight at that time but that didn't make me go oh well, i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna stick it to these people like mm-hmm. but like and those people do exist there are so i was um it was whose stream, I think I might've been in an anxiety stream yesterday, actually. And she was saying that people t- saying you can't do this is the reason that she does a lot of things. And that's it's, and that's the thing is we, we, this, uh, we we instantly discredit these things because we're looking for a one size fits all approach. And we're actually really ideally looking for a one size hertz zero approach. I've never said that before. I need to write that down.
0: <laughs> ah, I've got nothing to write on before. Tagline size- for um for mindset by Dave's Twitch stream
1: <laughs> One size hertz zero. Oh my god, that's like that's an entire YouTube series. What's, um, actually what- quite,
0: what's actually quite funny there as well is that you talk about anxiety. Um hi am. Um so, so you talk about that as well. In that same stream, they were both disagreeing with what we're currently saying. Really, I didn't mm. catch the rest of the stream. The body positivity um, that uh, that it, because the, the argument they had, uh, the argument that was had there was that people only take an interest in you being unhealthy when you're overweight, and that was the thing. Um, and I think the problem is that the people might might kind of have it with me and you is that we've both been in the fitness industry and so there's going to be some assumption in the way that we say things as well yeah and even though we've both come from a specific journey and I mean I that was the I have to say on the industry that was the better um it's by the way um, guys great stream go and check it out um the one thing that was on there was that um it was a better argument than I'd ever heard before about it it was the, to say you know actually it's not so much that um, uh, the argument in general. It was the fact that the people saying it would never tell someone, "Are you? Are you? Um, have you eaten enough today? Have you? Have you drunk water? How? Uh, how? How are you doing in general?" It's just they go, "Well, you're a bit overweight." You know, it was that argument which I can yeah. see to a point, but the problem is, is that if you are healthy and and overweight according to let's say the BMI, which we know is bollocks, then that's one thing the problem is we know medically there are issues along the line it's it's this is where i have the issue because because we're again
1: it's like what we were talking about off air before we started speaking which was the idea of a narrative Mm. it's like i'm not interested in in following a narrative i'm interested in what is right Mm. and yet you're right there are there are sumo wrestlers out there that absolutely do fine and they're like there are and it's not it's it's i understand i understand when we talk about things like 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 beauty and things like that And but when we're talking about health now there is yeah okay are there people who are morbidly obese out there that actually all of their health markers are fine yeah but are there also people out there that smoke that their health markers are actually fine there's they're except and we're okay with that you know like the 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 cancer research um campaign two years ago, which it was saying obesity is the second biggest cause of cancer. That was that that was literally what it said obesity is the second biggest cause of cancer it wasn't showing, it wasn't showing pictures of obese people, it wasn't trying to body shame anybody, it was saying, statistically speaking, and I think they're, but they're actually talking about causation, not correlation, and um, that obesity is one of the highest markers of cancer, and it has been actually proven as well to be one of the biggest reasons that people um, not, not get COVID, but get worse symptoms from it, um, and it's like, We are now being told that in the interest of an agenda or a narrative, which is to be body positive, that these things have to be off the table. And the thing is, I understand why this is happening, because the fitness industry, I left the fitness industry because of it being body toxic, I guess, Mm -hmm. because of the whole your value and your worth was attached to um your weight on a scale i even had one for my mental health marathon last week and one of my sponsors were two amazing pts that i know and i even struggled reading their sponsorship message because of the language it used because i know what that type how my first foray into mindset was helping undo eating disorders that had been given to people by personal trainers that was my actual, and, it, and if I had wanted to, I could probably have, I could have probably been by now the go-to guy for that in the UK, mm-hmm. because the number of people that came through my door for that, and you know, we talked about qualifications and things like that. I worked with a guy in, I worked with a guy in, um, in, um, in America in Boston, who had been seeing an actual psychotherapist and a a dietitian for years. Um, and I, used to, I did this thing with called a life, What well, I still do, called a life a day where I give people a free hour of my time, like 365 people a year. And he basically came on with me as a client because he said after 40 minutes, I helped him get a better a better relationship with food than the psychotherapist and the dietitian ever had. Um, and then he worked with me for like three or four weeks, um, basically managed to achieve Series gagging in now managed to achieve intuitive eating and has now gone on to become a coach himself and um, and that was that was like one of my early like situations when I first moved out of being a PT and this thing is that that I could see how again most PTs had end up giving a person most likely orthorexia I'm not sure if you or the audience know what that is but orthorexia is an obsession with clean eating and controlling what goes in um, yeah. like so like I can't have certain foods or I must track absolutely everything. I must account for it with, with, with exercise and so on and so forth. So yeah. a lot of people have been given that because obviously getting given a meal plan, getting told to track your calories, getting told to like do X amount of calories worth of exercise or something, It does, it gives a person, it gives people an obsession with those numbers. Um, but like, seriously, like people were like, PTs, it's funny because none of the PTs, no, obviously before when I was a PT myself, none of the PTs wanted to pass their clients over to me because I was a PT. But then when I moved into being a Mindset by Dave, it was like, suddenly it's like all these PTs, like, oh, here's all these clients that we've been struggling <laughs> with, we've been struggling with relationship with food for. Um, and like, and honestly, like the number of them, the number of referrals I still get for that now is massive because of that reason and that's why i left that was why i left the the fitness industry um i wrote a poem called wealth and fitness about it which is like essentially we keep a person feeling insecure about their body in order to keep the person coming back for more that's how the fitness industry and and, and the funny thing is that's how like we're not gonna get sued by slim and world or weight watchers for this are we but like that's how slim and world and weight watchers okay. work they work off a retention model right that's yeah. um I do what I do. I call it the world's worst business model because I'll try and help a person overcome an eating disorder in one of those free calls. It's like, and and, and right. people are like, that can't be done. It's like, well, no, no one really wants you to know that that can't be done. I'm not saying I can do it with everyone, but like and no one wants you to know that that can't be done because if that could be done so easily, not easily, simply, it's never easy. Um, then, then what, like, you know, why do we still have eating disorders? Like why can, and it's, yeah. it's, this is it's like the like, health. It's an
0: industry. It's the same <laughs> as vaping. Everyone, everyone kind of went. Oh, vaping's really helping people go get, get off of smoking. right like, yes, technically it is. However, as a business model, it doesn't make sense if all it's meant to do is to make you stop smoking. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that Hamlet, who make fucking cigarettes, have their own vaping company because all they're doing is moving you from one to the other. So yeah, it's it's a. It, they just keep doing it with that. But yeah, it's it's interesting. We we said before um before we came on camera about um taking different opinions in when we do these things as well. And as we said the person we've um we've mentioned their anxiety clearly has a different way of thinking than us and that's a fucking good thing guys we both get <laughs> on with anxiety we both go into that streams sorry if we're saying your name a lot em and you don't like it i apologize and um, but you know we we are talk about that me and dave don't agree on everything but we still enjoy having those discussions And um, so the stuff about i'm sure that, that anybody that that didn't agree with us is automatically just turned off now when we've talked about this this idea of actually there's 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 reasons and there's levels to, to sizes and, and whether you're healthy and everything like that. But the, the point is, is that you should actually look into it and it's, <sighs> I mean, actually the point is you should
1: stop looking whether the statistics are right or wrong or not yeah, anyway, yeah. and look into it. whether you are. It doesn't matter yeah, if, are you if people, okay? can, if people yeah. can be healthy at any size, that's cool. Are you healthy at whatever size you're at? Like we should all look after our health. Like I hate the word "should" as well, and but I'm going to go with it. We should all look after our health, and I yeah. probably don't look after mine as well as I could do. But hey ho. And um, but that's the whole thing. Is like we we spend so much time like arguing about this and having opinions on other people about what we see mm-hmm. of them, and that's where the issue is having forming an opinion about someone like based on based on their look. That's kind of the issue. Body yeah. positivity is uh, is you know is about promoting is about promoting being happy in yourself. Now, here's the thing. So is self-esteem hmm. now. And that's why people come into my stream all the time. Like, well, you talk about you are enough. If you are enough, would you ever not stop being better? It's like, no, it's not about that. It's about, are you happy in the skin that you're in right now? And if you are like not, and, you know, if you're happy in the skin that you're within right now, how are you then going to move forward better? Going back to my expression, you don't guilt yourself into greatness. Like I don't find many people who sit there telling themselves they're not good enough that... That basically find it easy to take that journey of getting better. They think that they're beating themselves up to the point of which, if I think I'm not good enough, then I will continue to strive to be good enough, and I will do it. You get people that do that. You get people, but they never they're never happy about what they've achieved.
0: Is it, I was never so, happy
1: about what I achieved until until I realised that being happy in my body wasn't about it wasn't it was be it was about being happy with the body I have, not striving to be happy in the body. I will like, and this, the, the rest of the whole thing is like, that's why I don't like, I don't like the phrase. I'll be happy when I said that I'll be happy when I'll be happy when I get to a certain waist. Now, the reason I don't like that phrase is because you're actually secretly saying, I won't be happy until yeah. So if I'll be happy when I, well, I'll be happy when I've got a healthy BMI. I never had one. <laughs> um, you know, I'll if, be happy if you do have a healthy BMI, you may not actually be healthy. <laughs> yeah, that's no. the most ironic thing about it. But um, I, mine was I'll be happy when I get to 90 kilos because 90 kilos was the weight I wanted to fight at. Um, What's that in in, in stone? I don't know kilos. 14 stone two. Oh, it's 14 stone (laughs) two. Yeah. So that was, that was why I got to 14 stone two Um, because, well, actually it was 89 and a half kilos because I I needed to weigh in at 90. So I I had a little bit of a, I had a little bit of a leeway, even that, oh, the, the disordered eating around weigh-ins. Oh, that was a whole other thing. Like, you know, I would be so specific with the food I would have in the three days building up and then I would starve myself from 2 p.m i wouldn't allow myself to eat after 2 p.m the day before um and then i would bet i would be in a hot bath and doing all the dehydration techniques and all that stuff just so i could basically weigh in at 89 kilos 89.5 kilos in the morning get cleared for a fight that was happening like three hours later and then suddenly put on like six kilos or whatever like a stone basically um and the thing is everybody was doing that and this is this is like this was like a amateur, like, not even amateur, really, like into club level, which was everyone's a winner, baby. You know, there was no decisions. We weren't even doing it competitively. This was like the entry level before you even got into the competitive stuff. And every single person in there was doing it. And um, so it became, it became, again, not only expected, but championed. People would encourage you to
0: do to behave like this people that say this is the way you've got it when it was just normalized it's actually the same um, with all kind of tournament fighting so i used to be a tournament fighter but I'm, I'm a martial arts and self defense instructor if anyone doesn't know if you check on my other podcast um but yeah it's the same with, with all of them they all 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 martial martial arts tournaments seem to have the same kind of thing and because of the way that they're, they're set out it is very kind of you hit a certain weight and actually some of them depending on how they're how they're structured will kind of go well you you're now you're now in a completely different range because you've not quite hit it so we're going to completely fuck up your day by by doing this to you and it can it messes with your head as well the way they do it for, for martial arts is not good it's got better i mean when i first started in martial arts i first graded in 1989 so um back then we were lot less nice to each other as well so um, (laughs) things have improved but they they haven't on on all on all things certainly not for that as well I was gonna say um quickly jumping in I know I I I know I interrupt people guys it's it's fine um but the the, just because before we go we go past it is um the idea what you're saying about with um the uh cancer research oh yeah Um, the thing that I find not amusing but strange about that is we've said that um, being uh, obese can- is a second cause of cancer. And that's seen as an attack on cancer. Oh, sorry, as an attack on obesity. And yep. oh, you're saying everyone that weirdly enough, um, the highest um, reason, the number one reason for male deaths under 40 in the UK is suicide. Yep. We don't then say that that's an attack on people that have depression or are suicidal. Exactly. What we actually do is say, that's an encouragement to look at the problem yes In yes. the same way it should be for for cancer is okay well we know that this is an issue so what why is it let's because you, the thing is you could change someone's diet someone's nutrition and they could still be big and that's fine yeah that's the point i think me and dave both have is that it's absolutely fucking fine to be whatever size you are the problem is is when you get the when your positivity and i fucking hate positivity because it, <laughs> it, it, it has no Backing when your response to someone that's going through someone is, Oh, here's this Harry Potter quote, go fuck off, all right. Um, <laughs> when we look at the idea of, and especially, with I'm, I'm gonna give so many, together, many Harry Potter quotes next it. time you're in
1: one of my streams. <laughs> oh, mate,
0: it's um, so this is so for me, it's you know, it's absolutely fine. Positivity, the, pro- the problem there is going, no, 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 let's look at what it is. Are you actually healthy? Fine, cool. I'm so glad that you're healthy, I'm so glad that you feel good about yourself. That's absolutely amazing okay, you are feeling good about yourself. So actually, you're really unhealthy. You're, you're going to, uh, uh, there's a problem here. Now, unlike th- things that were said in other uh, podcasts, I do give a shit if someone's eating normally, drinking normally, and have an issue all round, because that's kind of what I do in this podcast and in my, my Twitch streams as well. So for me, it's, it's a discussion about making people think positively um, and actually making positive choices. Yep. The choices and the feeling have to go together, not just one or the other. If you're just positive about you feel great, that's great, but you could be really injuring yourself. Um, and if and vice versa, if you're just positive about um, the change you're doing, but there's no actual, as you say with um, getting to a certain stage, if you're just positive about And the change you're doing but you're not actually positive about your own body then you're fucked as well because you're going down the other end of the scale or up the scale you need to have a discussion about both and so that's why when you talk about you know it's the number one do it it needs to be a discussion about okay so what's happening here rather than going oh well that's an attack because fuck off with this bullshit about oh it's an attack it's a fuck off all right just that 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 constant idea that everything we're saying is an attack because it doesn't ascribe to the way you're saying it i don't care I just Precisely. don't care. You know, there was that, there was that thing um, that went around TikTok a, a while ago when someone was saying that against religion of just, I don't care. And that's the same with me to this point now. It's, I don't care the opinion you're causing about something. Because if that's actually detrimental to people, then that's fine you have that opinion about your about yourself and you have that but if you're making it a detrimental thing to other people or you're bringing them up or down in some way whether it's health mental health the two go do go together quite well then you're the fucking problem as well as everyone else and it really does cause an (laughs) an issue for me the other thing as well is i actually one of the people i like weirdly people would think of as being one of the positivity lot but i don't think he is and he's not mental health or anything like that is Gok one (laughs) <laughs> because whenever you see, if anyone's ever seen Gok Kwan, he used to have the phrase, it's all about the confidence. That yeah. was his phrase. And that's actually a very good phrase, because he never said to a woman, or a man, as he did occasionally have men on, he never said they were too big, he never said they were too small, he never really commented on their weight at all. All he did was make appropriate choices, It allowed them to make appropriate choices for what they wore. Um, and that's not to say that he he told people off for wearing um, you know, something that showed off a different figure. He did just go, go, look, this is this compliments you this looks really good on you and it's your confidence your confidence is the main thing if your confidence is pushing through then we're fucking doing a great job Um, and he'd done it because he had also lost a hell of a lot of weight and he wished he had the same thing said about him so for me that's the thing as well it's the confidence it's that choice it's that actual mixture of these two things that seem like they're opposing can actually overlap there's this weird thing that people's when when two people talk, you might get some kind of discourse, yeah. rather than being in the corner shouting at everyone that doesn't agree with you. Fucking have a discussion, anyway. Yeah.
1: And what? Uh, one more thing on that. That, that yeah. what I want to say is that. It all comes down to assumptions, right? And what what I guess the body positive movement is is saying is that you can't make an assumption on my health based on my size. Okay, I agree with that statement. You can't make an assumption based on your health based on your size, either. I can't make an assumption on my health based on my size. You know, it's like, and that's what we just said is like, okay, Get yourself get yourself checked out. Go for if, if I know again, could be speaking from a position of privilege because you know I'm a cis white male with the NHS behind me. That'll give me a health check if I want one. Um, well, maybe of a waiting list, but I'll get one eventually. But um, if you are able to get to get health checks done do don't just assume and that's what that to be honest that's what we should all do really you know women check your breasts for lumps men check your balls it's like get a prostate exam done it's like you know it's like get checked on these things stop arguing over twitter about whether populations as a whole are healthy or not and remember that the statistics do not speak to individuals Right. and you know like yes there are always anonymous there's always anomalies there's the person that smokes and drinks every day of their life and lives to 100 and then there's the person that never puts a so-called foot wrong in the ideas of how we should live a healthy
0: life in society and then dies as a teenager it's the uncle eric effect it's it's the the, the uncle eric effect which which says um this is what the stats say yeah but i've got an uncle eric that smoked every day since he was two and he's he's 104 and um, i'll go more with the assumption thing is don't just not assume that, but also don't assume what my agenda is. Yeah, We're, we're not going to assume anything about you, so don't assume what we're saying. I can tell bad. people what my agenda is. <laughs> well, yeah. I no, like, don't it's just don't assume. I, it's one of my, my biggest bugbears is when people make an assumption. They make an assumption of the way I look, the way I sound. I mean, I've had people come in um, to, my, to my streams um, who made an assumption because of the way I sound about my political views, and they're fucking wrong. They're the exact... <laughs> almost exact opposite of what they were saying. But again, anyone in America that watches my voice, as Dave will know, because there's, I'm sure there's an inbuilt um, hatred for this voice somewhere um, is, is that with this, wow. No, no, I don't don't have an inbuilt hatred into your voice. Well, no, I mean, in terms of Southeast England, this is a Southeast England voice, and there is a background in how people from this part of the country may vote and may have opinions (laughs) on certain things that may affect, for instance where Dave lives and that's why there's an assumption that some people make and people have done it in streams and don't assume something because that's just as bad you're saying that I shouldn't assume your health no I shouldn't I'm not and I'm not assuming your health what I'm doing is to say have a discussion have a look into it if you're perfectly fine you're perfectly healthy like we say you know you've got Tongan rugby players fucking huge but mm-hmm. they're also incredibly healthy you've got sumo wrestlers if you ever look at a diet of a sumo wrestler god that's some good food and it's not, it's not fat it's not it's wonderful it's fruit and veg so you know it's a great diet and they do a lot of exercise and it's very good but you know that because you've had the discussion you've looked into it and it may be that time where you just get the time, time to reflect because you're going ah like i'm i'm actually eating shit like there, there's a problem here now then don't go to me and go oh yeah but you're just you're just trying to attack me you're just saying it because you you wouldn't say this if it was this you wouldn't say that, yes I fucking would don't assume that you're um you that what I'm saying is completely out there and just an attacking one because your assumption is just as bad as my assumption and as we've said just having that throw back and forth doesn't do anything for anybody it, it's just it just becomes a slugging match as Dave said don't do it on Twitter for the Christ's sake. No, you are not going to convince anyone of anything on Twitter. If you do, yeah, you need a fucking golden award. (laughs) Either one, you are the best explainer of of education or salesperson on the fucking planet, or that person is the one person on Twitter who can actually be convinced by an argument. And that person also needs an award for being able to be convinced. You know, wow, you actually took um, ideas and opinions and, and facts into an argument. Fucking hell. You know, it does not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It very, 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 very rarely um, works, even when you have a discussion. When me and yeah. David discussing things here, it may give us an idea of going, oh, I've never thought about that. It's not gonna change your opinions right now. We may go off and go, Oh, what about yeah, I hadn't thought about that. I, uh, oh, and it might it might linger, but the edge of discussion doesn't do doesn't do it. So you're not going to change someone's opinion like that. You can't have an argument and then suddenly go, oh well, I mean, I know there's plenty of political discourses that do it and have the discussion and then have a vote afterwards. Immediately afterwards, well, people have this opinion, people have this opinion. Okay, let's ask them five weeks in in the future when they've actually done something. Yeah. This immediate thing on Twitter and everything like that is not going to help. I will return it back to you, Dave. I'm gonna. Ha- I'm just having one of my rants. It's, it's good. I'm enjoying or it. fifth today. I'm. I'm doing quite well. <laughs> I'm doing it on the tenth, so it's good. I'm enjoying it. But no, <laughs> going back to that. That whole
1: one size hit zero thing that is mm. now. I've it's written on something that isn't even a I notepad would on you my remembered. desk. Well done. Um, well, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Um, and this is this is this is kind of like, this is what I see most people trying to do is they try and, they try and create like okay they try and cater to so if someone comes in and essentially says my feelings have been hurt by this or I'm offended by this or or this is harmful like you know I, I mentioned to you about the post about if all you've done today is brush your teeth and how I saw that as potentially yeah. being could potentially be harmful to to an anorexic community but it but at the same time it's very it's a very empowering statement to someone who's suffering with depression and um, because if that person's managed to brush their teeth that day then we want to, we want to celebrate these things as, as a thing. Now, the problem is all of these things It's you set any one of these things up with context and most of the stuff out there is actually good. Like, because if you set it up in the context, but we're mm. not setting things up in context in order to understand someone in a Twitter argument, you need to know what their tone of voice is. You probably could do with having heard them speak. You probably need to know what their background is. You probably need to know like what, things that they've spoken on before. It's like literally picking a bloody political candidate. Well, which policies did they vote for in the back? And, and, And like, and if you don't know these things, and then you go inside with someone and someone who does know these things is gonna think that you know everything about that person and that you're siding with a person that said one thing once, it's messy. But everyone's ultimately trying to create this thing where they go, right, well, this way of doing things hurt people. Like body shaming, fat shaming, yes, categorically hurts people. It hurts the vast majority of people that it's actually said to. So should we stop doing that? Yeah, basically. And, and you know, saying to people, just man up, it's like, hey, well, the vast majority of people that have heard that, should we stop doing that? Yes, probably online to a bunch of people that you don't know. You guys have one mate that you play football with that if he's having a, he's, he's like, you know, he dips down from 95, as usual, 95% to 80% that you say, come on, man up. And they, and actually they go, okay, you know what? Thanks. I needed that. That actually does happen. Um, I do believe man up is a, is a weird statement. My, you know, my wife said it to me when she, I cried at her for walking down the aisle at our wedding. She said, man up your pussy in front of all of our friends. I do not feel shamed or embarrassed by that. I think my wife is a friggin' legend for that. And the rest of, we were all in hysterics and all the rest of it. Now, yeah, okay. That was down to the fact that my wife, when I cry, she cries and she was trying to avoid her own tears. So she made a joke about it, but still it's not, you know, it's like, I get, but the thing is we're trying to create this idea of like, of one size hertz zero, which is, like, if it, it, a, a, a statement that we can put out on an Instagram post or something we can get on a Pinterest board or a tweet that we can do in 240 characters or whatever it is where we say the perfect thing that actually helps the most people but hurts absolutely zero, it doesn't exist. Now, the problem is the more we actually go down the route of... oh being careful with our words as to not offend anybody the more we end up actually saying nothing and there was an expression i think it was it might have been thomas edison that said um if you uh, want to if you want to um if you don't want to offend people then you have to do nothing say nothing be nothing mm. and then last year people who were saying nothing were getting pulled up like, so a person that would sit on, like, people were getting pulled up for what they hadn't said. So, you haven't jumped on this cause, therefore, you're a bad person. You haven't spoken out about this. Um, you know, like, and, and the, th- the thing is, as well, is that sometimes it's like, hello, you person in England. You haven't spoken out on this matter that is to do with American politics that you actually know nothing about. Um, and you haven't spoken about this, therefore, you are. Like, you know, you're, and it's, it's, the problem is we've, we've, we've lost the, we've, the, the methods of communication have evolved, but they've not really evolved. They've evolved in a way that our human brains haven't evolved to keep up with yet. You know, like we, we, why having these type of conversations like with us right now, I can see your body language. I can see your facial expression. I can hear the tone of your voice. You can hear the tone of my voice when we eventually allow the other person to speak um, because we're both just as good at this. (laughs) But but, um, we can see how these things are landing. We can take the time to add nuance into them. We can use inflection. We can do all of these things. Twitter doesn't do that. Like, that's why I think I really love streaming. I get six hours to explain myself every Tuesday. If something seems to start going pear shaped and like and and something gets tried tried to take out of context, I can be like, no, here's all the context. But but this is the whole thing is we're trying to and that's I, this, I think this is generally why I I spend most of my time in either podcasts or in streams and stuff now because that context is back there and I think we are we're leaning more back towards that. We're like you know I I feel. I feel like, you know, Joe Rogan's a bit of a marmite for a lot of people, but I feel like his podcast has given us that attention span back, you know, like is, and other podcasts out there are giving us that attention span back. They're given because literally we've just, we've just short formed everything. Everything's been
0: like, let's make it even shorter, even shorter, even shorter. TikToks, like. Oh, TikToks had the worst thing because they literally had a thing that was called No Nuance November. Fuck right off with that what literally, yeah yeah they had a thing it was literally no nuance november and they just made comments and I'm like yeah, the, the nuance thing really annoys me i've always talked about the, the nuance with a lot of arguments if you take out the nuance then you take away any basis for it joe rogan for instance is is an interesting one because with joe rogan he is a product of toxic masculinity but then so am i um, so are you to a point. We are former um, tournament fighters who were in the um, in the uh, fitness industry in some way. Who have you know have benefited from from being cis white males. We know this we are um products of it and joe rogan will say stuff that you just go oh, fuck shut the fuck up for a second yeah. he will say something but then he'll <laughs> say something that is incredibly um the other way and incredibly um nuanced and um socially um progressive and wonderful but the um the nuance um, the the lack of nuance says well we ignore him we we ignore him because we ignored everything no no yes. no he has an opinion yes yes you may hate 90 percent of his 90 percent of his opinions it doesn't mean that the the opinion that he has said actually is really progressive is null and void because you don't like the rest of it there's nuance yeah. to everything if you don't have context it doesn't it, it doesn't mean anything there's a, a mark twain quote if you find yourself on the side of the majority it's time to stop and reflect and yeah. it's very true when when everyone's thinking exactly the exact same thing that's when we have an issue because you should have nuance to kind of go well, why is this as we talked about, and I'm sure someone might clip it or someone might might go, oh, well, I'm turning off now, whatever, when we talked about um, um, obesity. But there's nuance to it. There's there's actual discussion about it rather than just going, this is bad, this is good. No, that's not how it works. People aren't, I'm sorry, people aren't that simple. Individuals are not that simple to just be like, this is black or white and that's it. The Yeah, and yeah the TikTok thing, the no nuance uh, November was fucking incredible. I'm very glad I didn't see that. <laughs> Because it's that like, okay.
1: Now we're actually encouraging um, yeah. out of context. Like that. I actually. I think at one point I said. Um, I said. Have you heard, Have you heard about that new Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt film Eight? It's basically seven, but the eighth deadly sin is taking someone's comments out of context. <laughs> it's like it. Uh, it really. It. It is. It's um. When people say, "What well, What's your biggest fear?" in all this, it's like that. I will say something that I'm still formulating my own ideas on and I'll be, you know, ostracized for it. Like and I I don't think I don't think cancel culture is as big as people that like to use the phrase often think it is, but I do think it exists. And again, there's a them and us in that. There's people saying no cancel culture doesn't exist whatsoever. It's just people being held accountable for what they say. Um, and then there's other people who were like oh, you can't say anything these days. It's like again, I don't think either of those positions are true people feel free to disagree with me i won't cancel you don't worry um but it's yeah it's it's this idea that as soon as we disagree with someone on one point we should disagree with them on everything yeah uh, and it's it it is on the side of negativity of 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 of, of, of be aversion basically it doesn't err on the side of if you agree with someone on one point you agree with them on any on everything and that's like you know how is someone ever supposed to how is someone ever supposed to vote ever now? Because you don't, no one ever agreed with any party a hundred percent, maybe like maybe not like even because they're even trying to appease everyone that supports that party, you know, like they're trying to, they're trying to kind of appease the majority that support that party at least. But like, when we go into this one size hair zero thing, we end up helping absolutely nobody as well, because it's like, and I, 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 I left, as I said, I left the, um, there's one of one of my um, my clients who actually loves the way i talk about body positivity from a more um from a more kind of not progressive but a kind of more nuanced position she tried to recently get me involved in a group that's talking about it because she thought and i'm like she's like you think your voice would really help you i'm like i don't think it'd help actually i think i would just end up disagreeing with a lot of people and (laughs) um and and i don't want to like i don't i don't want to spend my energy on on i don't want to spend my energy like on that anymore because right now i'm actually dealing with the nuance of of the, of the mental health industry which has its own like partisan viewpoint of either um of either the you can it's all 100 percent within your control you know man pull yourself up with the bootstraps you know pull your socks on and get on with it versus mental health is something that happens to us we can't do anything about it it's okay not to be okay and again it's okay not to be okay was never meant to create a hard left or whatever with a mental health. It was meant to make people feel validated for the fact that they're suffering, which I think is ultimately essential, mm. but it is often used within the mental health space as a, okay, it's okay not to be okay. This is just the way it is. Um, we kind of accept that it is the way it is and we don't try and improve it. Um, and from that side of places, I get, this is where I actually, weirdly enough, get my, I get my majority of criticism from people within the mental health community rather than the outside um and it's easy to deal with the ones on the outside even as well because i'm not you know like but the people within the mental health industry like especially because it's you know whole name mindset by dave well you're just saying that you can out mindset everything it's like no i'm not you've not listened to a word i've said um i'm saying that within every situation there is a possibility for improvement. I don't know. And I'm not saying that that improvement is on or off fixed or broken, mentally ill or mentally healthy. I'm talking about I lived the first I've lived the first 36 years, 35 years of my life um, with bipolar disorder without knowing how to manage it. Mm. And I manage it through mindset techniques like I'm not I'm not cured. I still have depression. I still have mania. I still have anxiety. I just know that if I if I remind myself that I, I lived those first thirty five years thinking the depression is hundred percent of the time the mania it exists but it's short it's sharp it's gonna it's gonna come crashing down so even in my depression they became self perpetuating because I'm sat there thinking I've got to do this forever and that thought in itself made it feel even harder. And then when it came to the mania, like instead of enjoying it, not all people enjoy mania, by the way, I, I'm, I'm quite lucky in this. And I, I only get hyper mania, which is what type two get, but um, it's less risky. It's less dangerous. I, I remember the vast majority of it. um, But like, and I actually, I enjoy feeling that most of the time except for when I turn into an absolute obnoxious tit with it which does happen um but then i can turn into an absolute obnoxious tit without mania just mania makes it easier um <laughs> but um but basically i wouldn't allow myself to enjoy that historically because all i'd be doing is telling myself this internal narrative of "Well, this is going to come crashing down there's no point in enjoying this oh you're going to have you're going to feel so much worse after this because again we we deal with things by comparison okay. so depression after a period of feeling okay Feels like depression. A depression after a period of mania feels like double depression. Yeah. So it's um, and it's probably the exact same feelings. It's just com- it's just comparatively. So this is why I very much firmly believe that. And people are like, well, what about this situation? What about this situation? What about this situation? And it's always it's always this idea that my like you know people play um situational top trumps basically which is and it's nothing to do with trump americans it's a card game where basically we're like well my situation's worse because this is why that will not this this is that in my situation this is like you're not being you're like i'll either be accused of being you know of being ableist or being or or being sexist because again like the person that's speaking to me is not cis white male and it's like, it's like, and I'm not saying that that I'm not saying that every single person is, has access to the exact same improvement. I'm not saying there's a quality of improvement within mental health. I'm saying there's, there's access to improvement, subjective improvement for a person. And that is what's it just taken me what seven minutes to explain that. So like how many people are listening for seven minutes? It's like, hopefully everyone who's listening to this podcast, but how many people are listening to seven minutes for you to sit there and say that? um and it's like i but i remember five years ago in my journey being the pipe type person when i'd first learned to out mindset my depression my depression left me alone for like three years when i first learned cbt and stuff and I was like, yeah, complete this, sorted. And then it came back and, uh, you know, came back with a vengeance. And I'm kind of glad it did. Otherwise I'd have probably turned into one of those bloody magnanimous pricks that are out there saying that you can out mindset everything. Mm. Um, but I did post back then saying mindset is everything. It's changed a lot. This is before I was even a mindset coach, you know? Mm. And, um, and I only posted, I think it was in January this year, mindset isn't everything. And it's like, and I want, cause I wanted to try and get that point that I've just made across to people. It's not everything, but it's something weight. Isn't everything in terms of health. It's not, but it's something our diet. Isn't everything in terms of health, but it's something like how hydrated we are is something. How much sleep we get is definitely something having some well, I, well, form of I mean, purpose you
0: know, in your life is something. The one thing I will say just because I, I go on about this a lot is the appropriate sleep for you yes something yeah yeah i get absolutely. really annoyed by by the huffing by the woman from the huffington post um eight hours is not appropriate for everyone especially if you're a teenager for instance you actually need more generally because of four man strangers i know i'm just butting in there guys i know that dave was on a, was on a roll there but i it's, one no, of it's that i well, always kind of go it's it's important because people either try and force themselves to have more or force themselves to have less sleep and actually your body knows how much sleep you need
1: yeah yeah, absolutely. But then it, that, that same point that you've made there is, is so much is so right for everything within that. So like the appropriate diet for you, it's like you're not a statistic. It's like so people, a lot of people are kind of against stoicism because the narrative, again, of the mental health industry is reach out. And I'm like, OK, reach out if reaching in isn't working um if reaching in is working if stoicism is working for you if self if self-soothing is working for you you probably don't need to reach out and essentially we also when we tell people that you absolutely categorically have to reach out it teaches a person it's it's another thing that can can contribute to a person about self uh, about not having self-efficacy it's something called learned helplessness where a person can feel like they don't have the answers to their own problems it also once some people do it reaching out becomes the drug in itself. Like, like exercise became the drug for me, you know, food was the drug, then alcohol was the drug, then drugs were the drugs, <laughs> you know, and then, and then exercise became the drug for me. And um, it's, um, it's just, it's just this thing where like, okay, some people probably might need, again, with a, with a, with a spectrum on this, some people might need the help of others 90% of the time. Everyone needs the help of themselves. Everyone at some percentage, and um you know and some people are totally able to give that 100% of help to themselves you know the whole no man is an island there probably is one or two no no woman is an island there probably is one or two i mean i don't believe anyone to be 100% self made because you know connections and things and oh yeah the there's always thing. yeah exactly but um but i do believe that in terms of in terms of again, it's not one size fits all in terms of mental health. It's not that everybody should have a therapist. It's not that everybody should have a counselor or a coach or everybody should have a best friend to do it. Because as soon as you say that as well, oh every oh if, if someone came around and said, it turns out that having a best friend is the uh, is the number one cure for depression, right? Like, which is totally a freaking lad Bible article waiting to happen, or something. Maybe not lad Bible, <laughs> but like, let's go with Huffington Post. <laughs> like, best friends are the number one cure for depression. Um, and what, right? That's great. What does that mean about the person that doesn't have a best friend? Like and um, the same, I'll full on throw myself into the bus here. My first marriage, I'd, I'd had a had a very, very, virtually non-existent sex life, and I used to get extremely triggered by um, articles in in Men's Health that saying, "Well, the best way to increase your health is just to have more sex." It's like, oh, thanks. It's like I'm like, so what about and it's, and because I was. I, I'm, I'm literally going to blame the reason i cheated on my first wife on, on men's health now actually I'm going to, because of the fact that i couldn't have more sex with her and obviously i had to go and have it somewhere <laughs> that's not the way it happened by the way people that was a joke oh my god
0: so that goes back to a discussion we had before we turned it on is that having a mental health issue isn't an excuse for being an arsehole at some point we're all arseholes it's just a, whether at that point you are you know, it's it's the it, it's it's just the way it is. You know, you can you can do stupid shit, wrong shit, whether you've got a mental health issue or not. So there's there's always things which is a nuance, which again is a nuance. There's this this thing of the nuance. I mean, so if we, if we talk about that as well, it's, um, so the 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 quote, um, if there be violence in your heart, then it is better to be violent than to remain impotent. Sounds like a, a cat call. Sort of, right, we're going to go for it now. Yes, yeah, so let's go and fight. It's a Gandhi quote. It's a Gandhi quote talking about having that introspection and knowing yourself, but out of context, well, even Gandhi says we should fight people. No, he fucking doesn't. <laughs> um, you know, that, that's the thing. And even, even on the, even on quotes that people use, um, I, um, I may not agree with what you say, but I will to fight the, um, I will fight to the death. your right to say it now. I agree with the term. Um, yep. I agree with the quote. However, um, it's also out of context because of the fact that we use it and associate it to Voltaire. Voltaire never said that Evelyn Beatrice Hall who rounded up Voltaire's work, put her spin on what he said. So there's even when you're looking at somebody's work, you can change it. And that's the thing. There's there's nuance in in all of it. And there's the appropriate things as well. And like you say, with a lot of this, it's not just, um, I, I think introspection is, is the main thing, but it's when you're ready. Because sometimes people do need to reach out. They do need to find someone, but they're not ready. And if we just go, no, you must do it. You must do this. No, no. no. They're not ready to do that. They're not ready to get forward from that. And I have the tagline. I'm sure you've seen. And I have the the, the stuff for it is turn on your light first. And it's the main thing. Is one is the introspection. Um, I always say with, with the introspection is, is if we asked everybody that's watching this, if there are any of you, thank you, um, that are watching <laughs> this, if you're feeling okay right now, how are you feeling? Are you happy? Are you sad? What are you? How many of you could actually say with full confidence that you knew exactly how you're feeling? Because it's bullshit. You you can't. And you scream at me. I don't care. You, you don't. You can't say it with 100% accuracy of how you feel. You can't go on those NHS um, um, kids pain things that go, which one of these faces are you? It just doesn't work like that. But if you have that discussion with yourself, you find actually, how do I really feel? How do I move on from this? There may be some that you may be feeling actually fucking terrible, but you're telling yourself you felt, you feel fantastic, but you haven't dealt with something that happened two weeks ago where somebody made a comment to you and you haven't got over it. But actually, actually, if you have that discussion with yourself, you can see it. If you do it in front of a mirror as well, you might notice that the eyes coming back to you in the mirror are your own and they're great at picking up bullshit and they're great at picking up your own bullshit. So you will realize when you're looking in the mirror that it, all that hate, all that shit that you say about yourself, you, you, that stuff that's running back in, in, in your head because somebody else called you something horrible that you've now gone and it's been playing on you. You say it back to your own face that your your face will start to con, um, contour and you'll be like, the fuck are you on about? Like, that's what your mind will say back to you. So you have that introspection and making sure that you're okay first before masking it by helping others Because that's what it is. By helping others, all you're doing is masking your own pain. Actually turning on your light first and making sure that that can um, shine brighter for not just yourself, but for everyone else around you, because it will do, is far better way of doing it than to avoid it or assume that you've got to go somewhere else, assume you've got to help someone else, assume that, you know, the bullshit of everyone has a therapist or whatever it is, is right. You've got to be ready for all of this, no matter what it is, um, and actually take some care of yourself and, you know, pay attention to what's happening but um was there anything else you wanted to kind of (laughs) i i i I don't know if that was a rant i I, I I could class it is a, sure. is, was there anything else you kind of wanted to kind of bring up main before we, we close up of like anything that we haven't covered? I know we've kind of gone back and forth, but we have for, for one of my podcasts, we stayed on track relatively well. which is quite <laughs> That's a miracle because I can go on some sort of tangents all the time <laughs> Um in terms of eating disorders. I'm in terms of eating sure. disorders and everything around it, because that's the thing that I think people should remember here is and again, <laughs> fucking nuance. Everything that we've discussed actually does come back to eating disorders. The fact that you've got to be ready for things, the fact yeah. of nuance when you're talking about stuff, everything around it, the the the, the messages of when you have depression or anything like that, they're all actually they can relate back to um, eating disorders very specifically, especially for myself and Dave, and uh, even more so for Dave that it's only re- relatively recently discovered that you had an eating disorder, and that's kind of the point as well: is you never had that discussion with yourself, you never you never you were never able to take into the nuance of a situation to kind of go oh fuck something's wrong here (laughs) well I knew no I I knew something was wrong I just hadn't I didn't have a label for it
1: um I definitely knew that I didn't I didn't even consider it as binge eating disorder I just considered it as I binged like and and, um and then it wasn't until and I honestly never even referred to it as bulimia until the point at which um I was doing a specialist course in to enable me to do mindset coaching for eating disorders um which was a course called why Weight. and it's um it's yeah it's really good um basically and um the idea of that course was ultimately that it's it's very rarely ever about the food there's, there's the occasional time it's about the food and actually one of the things that um the person who did that who ran that course was an eating do- a, um, a, a clinical eating disorder specialist um at a i can't remember the name of the institute now but it's an institute down south that is that helps a lot of people with eating disorders and um she was saying that actually most eating disorders start from, they start from something that causes a person to have an issue with food. So it can be like a person has an operation and then can't eat for a few days or something like that, or a person has a reaction to a particular type of food. So then, then gets very in tune with changing their diet a lot around that. Um, So, but, or a person has an anxiety attack around a particular type of food, for example. So like, you know, you've just eaten a, a sandwich and you have an anxiety attacker then actually we very much relate anxiety attacks to what has literally just happened so if someone has an anxiety attack at like a specific junction in a car for example they associate it with driving but more specifically that very junction where, um our brain can ultimately be like I've been through this junction a thousand times or I've eaten a thousand sandwiches but this one time it happened so therefore anxiety equals this mm-hmm. um, but what was the point I was going to make on this I can't remember. Um, oh, yeah, it was that was when I got the, the realisation. The one, I suppose there's, there's two things that I would actually probably like to add in, because I think these will be of use to the audience. If, if anyone is struggling with an eating disorder, they might actually be able to. Um, I'm literally quite happy to give out my full on the, the, the process I take someone through to overcome an eating disorder. Now, this is this is from a behavioural point of view. There are like I don't work directly with anorexia, and this is actually one area where anorexia is. And the, sorry, the BMI actually does come into play, is that once a person's BMI is below a certain point, uh, and it's not again, it's not identical for everybody, but there is with anorexia, there is a point um, at which they essentially receive a second voice. It's often referred to as the anorexic voice, and it will it will literally stop from the type of coaching that I do from being the, 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 the person themselves to being able to relate with the type of coaching that I do. So therefore um, they have to go through, they actually have to go through psychotherapy and stuff. And it was like, I saw, I saw a bunch of people again, whose attentions were absolutely in the right place this morning, um, posting something because it is eating disorder awareness week. Um, I saw these people are posting this morning and about the fact that, um, we need to stop, um, we need to stop in, encouraging like changes in weight in terms of um to be related to eating disorders and we've actually anorexia until you get a person's bmi above that certain level again once you get uh, that voice is going to be there uh, and it's um it's and it's uh, like literally it's going to interfere and stop that person from being able to in- interact with any talking therapies basically uh, because it's like you've got the anti-therapist in your head you know um and so that's so, but that's why i don't work directly with i've worked with recovering anorexics who have already gone beyond that point but i've not worked with any anorexics in that point whatsoever but with bulimia and and, um, and so on and so forth and binge eating disorder generally speaking this idea is we identify the why first of all the what is the positive we start it always has to start with a positive so what is the positive you get from this for me it was comfort right it was comfort from the fact that i was i i was in i was getting bullied all day i went home and these gave me some form of joy right now um and control was another element of it because i was out of control in the day so that's why martial arts really helped for me because i was Gaining control from martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we identify, first of all, step one is awareness. Um, we become aware of what the reason is and the, what the positive it gives you. Not because if you, I, I, I'm very specific on the language on that because if you say to someone, what's the reason you do this? They'll be like, oh, because I'm lazy or because I'm fat or because I'm, you know, because I've got no control or anything like that. Right. And they, so if you say, what does this give you? Or what positive does this give you and start there you get different answers um so this this applies by the way to this i i use this model for behavior change on any behavior um and basically we start with the awareness number two is alternatives how else can i get that so like with now as i said before i call that a boomerang because it gives you the positive and the shortcoming but it gives you the negative in the long term. It comes whipping back, you've got the self-loathing, you've gone from 99 problems to 100 problems because now you hate yourself on top of it. Um, now, the alternatives are usually something that I call slingshots. A slingshot is, and I have a slingshot right here, I've a boomerang behind me as well, but it makes me slingshot. Um, a slingshot, you pull it back, you put it under tension, it, and then you fly, it flies forward, the result is later, it's delayed gratification. Most alternatives aren't going to give you instant gratification. And the reason that most people aren't, aren't able to switch to, the, to an alternative behavior to scratch the same itch is for that very reason, because they go and do it and you go, this isn't working. And I would say out of the people I've worked with, about 85% of people think that it's not working because there's something wrong with them not because the technique's wrong. Especially when someone like me told them to use this technique, they think. And so I I try and cover this base before we get to that point. So it's like, um, which is why you may have seen me show the video, you are not weak. The journey is just difficult. That's where that came from. It's like, basically when someone says, I can't do this. Okay, so I can't moderate my food. like, of course you can't because binging is a skill. We might not want to think of it as a skill and you've got really good at it by doing it for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. You know, I'd got... I'd been doing it for 12 years by the time I actually started restricting more. And then I got really good at the skill of restricting. I was never up until like my thirties, I was never good at the the skill of actually managing my food in a more intuitive and effective way. So I got really good at binging. Then I got really good at restricting and they are skills. Now, the thing is with any skill, um, it can become automatic once you get really good at it. So and because it gives that instant that instant gratification, we go back to it. Now the, the first time if I say right, well, what else could do this and like and what else give you that comfort? And the person could say, well, going out for a walk could or doing some exercise could or let's take it about something that's not to do with exercise. Reading a book will. Reading a book makes me feel really comforted. It's watching a film does, right? But reading that book, the first page, you're like your brain's like this isn't working. You could get the food and you've got to get now when, as soon as it says that you, your brain will say, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? And then, then we go down the, the route of trolling ourselves from within. That's going to make it harder. Okay. Accept the fact that it's supposed to be difficult. It's not that, like you said before, like instead of people, people arguing rather than people collectively going towards the problem. What is the actual problem? We're arguing over opinions and narratives. Whereas what is the actual problem? This is it. Accept that the problem is the problem. And accept that the reason that you can't do it yet or you're or you're finding it hard to do it right now is because it's difficult. That's okay. That's not a reason to stop. So then we 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 instigate the alternatives. Now what and then and then the, the third step is it is, is accountability. Now accountability when I'm working with a client is they go one-to-one with me. They tell me like how they're getting along with it and all the rest of it. And then I give them feedback. This goes back to this whole world's worst business model, right? I love my clients to be accountable to themselves. I don't want them to need to check in with me as regularly as they do. It's not because I'm a lazy coach. It's because I want them to, tr- I want them to learn that they, that, well, first of all, self-esteem comes from yourself. It's like, it's, it's hidden right there in the name, right? Like we literally look for other people's approval to give us self-esteem and that in itself is like a drug. We literally like, Ooh, and mine was always from men cause my dad left. So like, so basically I would always be like, Oh, I can do anything to make my, my coach proud or, or whatever. And, um, now that's the whole thing is like, that's cool. And that can be helpful. And that can be a way to get a person over the line a little bit with this. But ultimately, the person that needs to be proud of you is you. So what I, what I get people to do at that point is I get people to then acknowledge the fact that they've just done something huge. If that person has walked away from the binge and started reading that book, even if they've not got the result from reading that book yet, they've already walked away from the binge. So we want to celebrate that. So we want to be like, yes, I've done it like full on actually 80s reach and grab, you know, success (laughs) could mean pat on the back, full on happy dance, however you want to do it. Now we get instant gratification. Mm -hmm. We don't get the exact same kind of instant gratification, but we get some. And what we then do is we teach ourselves what I've just done is good. I want to do Mm -hmm. this again. And that's that's one big thing is that what normally what a person will do is they'll go, oh well yeah okay I went one day without binging so what? Now imagine imagine hiring hiring me as the coach and then they phone me up and go right I've just had my first binge-free day and I went all right, call cool, call me when you've done it for a year. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'd like to think they'd fire me there and then, and probably <laughs> say some horrible things about me, and they'd be totally within the within their rights to do it. And this goes back to we don't guilt ourselves into greatness, right? But as soon, as, but people when they do this, they beat themselves up about it. Oh, I've only managed to go one day without a binge, big whoop. What's that in the big grand scheme of things? And by the way, nowhere is this worse than when a person has been a serial dieter because they'll have hit a week where they've managed to not binge before, or they'll have hit a month, or they'll have hit a certain weight mark, and now. This is why I don't like the phrase "Don't compare yourself to who you to to um, anyone else; only compare yourself to who you were yesterday." What if yesterday I was on I was on target and today I'm not? It's messy, nuanced, funnily enough. Um, and so, so that basically is like, okay, no, we celebrate it. We celebrate the crap out of it every single step of it. Almost like you know, with Alcoholics Anonymous, where it's like you get your chip for the next for the first day. It's like let's celebrate that. And they've got there's a whole bunch of problems in that model, but hey ho. Um, but that's what we do. So we do awareness. Why am I doing this? What's the positive? What's the positive in getting out of this? Alternatives. How else could I receive, how else could I reach this same positive? Um, and, and accountability. How am I going to treat myself for doing it? Accountability is like, how do I treat myself when I've done the move? Also, how do I treat myself when I miss it, which will happen again that? We've all seen the meme, what success look, we think success looks like a straight line, what it actually looks like a squiggly line. Mm. That's, um, so that's one thing. And the second thing is while we're, like, is, is something I call the platinum award to anyone. like So eating disorders, eating disorders in a weird way are harder to treat than alcoholism. That might sound like a realist in, in some ways, by the way. Again, not all eating disorders are harder to treat than alcoholism. The reason being is because with alcoholism, generally people treat it with full on abstinence. You can't treat an eating disorder with abstinence because that means you don't eat whatsoever. You can't remove food from your diet. Now, what, so what people tend to do with this is they remove what they call trigger foods, right? Trigger foods. If we, now there'll be some people that absolutely have to avoid trigger foods because they're not able to moderate, but then, but then moderation, just like uh, moderation is also a skill. Abstinence is a skill as well, but, um, but moderation is also a skill now for a lot of people out there, like, and this was the point at which I broke down crying and, and was actually so proud of myself in my eating disorder was the day that I could actually open a bag of crisps, have five of them, clip it up and put it back. Okay. And there'll be people, there'll be people that listen to this. Now it will be like, actually, I can relate to that. And I, cause I put that out as a post as well. And the amount of people that related to that was unreal because I'd stopped having my trigger. I'd basically gone from a point of not having me trigger foods. And then when I want me trigger foods, I knew that. I just okayed it in my head. Green light, I'm going to have the whole packet of biscuits or the whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts or whatever. But I couldn't have anything in the middle. And the same, I use the exact same process. I decided ahead of time, before I've had the food in my mouth, I call this the platinum award. And I call this the platinum award because I call abstaining the gold award, right? And people are like, well, abstaining is better than moderating, isn't it? Mm, better? Like, it's actually a
0: big... family guy thing where they, where they show that. Really? he tries to give up alcohol. Oh, right. And um, they say when he just full on goes for alcohol, he's a complete asshole. Um, and then when he completely gives it up, he doesn't have his family anymore. He's not the same person. It's completely different. It's just very strange. And they actually round up to the fact that actually moderation is the, the best way of doing it. They don't explain it quite the, um, the best way of what moderation is because he buys a, a six pack and throws three away. But he, it, But the point is that moderation is best.
1: I actually learned something about that from um, I can't remember the name of the book. It's like small, something about small steps. But it was like okay, when you buy something, throw throw some of it away. Actually, it's, it's a good method in a in, in a weird way. It goes back to that waste thing that most people mm-hmm. will, I'll say that no to that. But the thing is, especially if you throw them away before you start, um, it's um, because that I re, I basically have this phrase which is mouth hungry. And once someone is mouth hungry, it means they've had the taste of something in their mouth and now they're hungry because for that taste, they're not actually hungry for food, but the actual, it's like how appetizers work. They make you want more food, you know? Um, and so like, so a lot of people who've binged, um, they will have this mouth hunger issue, which is once that food goes in their mouth, they're actually not really, they're not, they're not not about fullness or anything like it's about just continually continuing that taste and that flavor. Um, so as a result, for someone to not binge, and this is, again, generalization, but for someone to not binge, they they have the head hunger, they have the craving, but they don't end up getting the craving of, I've started this, or so want more. Um, so it's actually, in a strange way, easier. Um but someone who then actually starts eating that thing it suddenly now kicks it up a notch so this is why i call it the 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 platinum award because being able to stop once you've started is a much harder skill in my opinion it's a much harder skill than than abstaining altogether mm. um and it's one of the big things that I suppose, like now, that's why I said the problem with, with Alcoholics Anonymous is they do teach, and some people, this is 100% true for, they teach once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You can never have another drink ever again in your whole life. Um, but we have that same sort of almost philosophy within eating disorders. Isn't that like once you're a binge eater, you're always a binge eater and you can never have another jammy dodger in your life, you know? Mm. Um, now, the thing is like, if you teach a person that enough, they'll believe it. If they believe it, it'll become true. Even down to the language, I, t- I try and get the, the word binge out of there, not because I think it should be banned and I'm trying to police the language or anything like that, but down to the fact that if you look at someone who's never had an eating disorder and they eat, eat a family-sized bag of doritos or even eat the first 10 chips of a family-sized bag of doritos right? They're like going, oh, I've had some doritos you know or I had oh, I had a 14 inch pizza to myself last night. That's what that's that's their, that's their narrative around it. And then that doesn't mean they're going to want to have another 14 inch pieces of to themselves today or whatever, but anyone who's ever binged, as soon as they have something that is off the plan, they are on a binge in their own terminology and binges. Once I'm on a binge, a binge always goes in the same direction. It's almost predictable. So if I'm on, if I've started a binge, if I'm on a mini binge, well, it's not a mini binge. It's going to be, it's like why cheat meals, cheat days, and all that stuff It's like, well, if I'm on a cheat day, I'm on a cheat day and that has, yeah, I, I mean i
0: i'm like i say i took that a bit different the weird thing <laughs> is with the moderation there is i weirdly i quite like the idea of saying that somebody does continually have it i i kind of i think uh, at heart believe that as well but also i think that reaffirms moderation as how incredible somebody could be mm-hmm. i think it's a reaff- reaffirmation for themselves because if you go well i've i'm all uh, you know i'm i'm I'm, or I always have this, you, the, you have to avoid certain language, you know, you can't. You shouldn't be using the words of like struggle or anything like that. But if that is always for you and then every day, every year, every month, whatever it is, you are not doing that. You are actually moderating. You're doing it. Then you have a reason to think how amazing you are every day. Um, it, Quite like my way. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is it, it gives you a, it, to, to, to have the opinion of you are that. However, every day you're proving that you don't have to be that you're just showing that you're stronger than your own demons yeah which would yeah. be the way i well that
1: again i i really like that like the way you've put that there but i know there's a lot of people that then like on a day where they feel weaker would feel like it's just it, it's down to like i use the phrase course correction rather than on or off track so, like, you know, basically, because if a train comes off track by one wheel, it's a catastrophic failure; the whole thing's coming off. Whereas, if a cruise ship goes off course by one degree, it's only a, it's only a problem if it stays off course for a big for a degree. You know, for by one degree, the longer it stays off that course, the further off it's the further off the, yeah. the point it gets to. Um, and I just the reason that I've formulated the language I have around things is down to people's relationships with relapses and things like that. Um, generally speaking, that if we then say. If, if we go from, if we go from, I am to, I did terminology. So like, let's say like someone who's a smoker. Um, if that person like gives up smoking and then six months down the lane has a cigarette. If that person says, Oh, well, I guess I'm a smoker again. Then that person's going to be off track off course for a long period of time. Whereas if that person goes, Oh, I smoked last night. And now I'm back to where I was. And now, you know, like now I'm I'm not a smoker. I'm not, I don't identify as a smoker. I don't identify as have, you know, it's the same with binge eating. It's like, okay, there's a big difference between I'm I have an eating disorder. I mean, I still probably technically think of myself on those levels of I have an eating disorder that's just managed these days. I could still binge if I wanted to, mm. still have done. Um, but it's um it's for me, it's about like, okay, historically, I call it the reset switch. Every person who binges has has, has this and it's a reset switch is how frequently you can hit the reset button so the reset button means we start again and we don't binge for me it was always the next day so if I started a binge at 10 p.m and I went to bed at midnight I'd be binging for two hours if I started a binge at 10 a.m and went to bed at midnight I'd be binging for 14 hours I wouldn't reset until the next day for some people it's not a time frame it's what food is there and then the food then then they hit reset when the food is gone but this becomes, again, a learn pattern. We learn. And now you'll see this with people with all sorts of habits. Oh, I'll start again on Monday. I'll start again when the gyms reopen. I'll start again. I'm definitely saying that about working out. But hey-ho. Um, yes, I don't <laughs> like home. I just don't like home workouts <laughs> like my wife does. And she's doing them. And that's cool. I'm running. Um, there's, but there's
0: definitely a mental health. Um, th- actually, uh, either before or after this podcast, I'm li- is literally a, a podcast on fitness and mental health. So that's... <laughs> nice so so yeah there's like we all have these
1: these these places where we reset some people will be like i'll start in the new year now the problem is if your reset button gets fixed to i'll start again next week or i'll start again next month or i'll start again in the new year then the earlier you deviate from and i still have to be careful with the language but the earlier you go off course the longer you're going to be off course for until you realize that the reset button is totally and utterly within your control no, you're not totally and utterly. Maybe that's a bit too extreme. It's 99% in your control. It's going to feel like it's 99% in control of the reset button. though. That's the problem. Um, but you can choose to hit that reset. And that was a big learning point for me was like, okay, actually, what about if I, if I start, if I identified as having started a binge at like 6pm? And what about if I stopped at 8pm? And I didn't hit wait until the morning to reset. And I didn't basically go and eat everything that's in the house until I ran out of food. What about if I did that? Then it's like, and then it goes, then it eventually gets to the platinum award, which was that point where I was, and I went into this with big, I went into this at a moment. I chose this moment when my willpower was really strong. And I went in and I said, I am going to eat only exactly five of those crisps because I need to prove to myself that I can and put that bag back. And I did that put that bag back, did a big freaking dance around my kitchen, cried a lot Um <laughs> it's like because I didn't think it was possible until that point. Yeah. And it's like, I like the phrase proof of concept. You know, we, we learn, we, we, we think we know what we're capable of. We think we know what is possible, but I like to challenge that. I like to challenge that a lot. Um, in this area, in in practically and in, in practically every other area of my life you know i like to challenge it because you know okay the, the limit might be there but you never really know
0: yeah i mean for, for me i think because the way i think about things are more associated with what i've suffered from ocd um asd depression things like that um i think for me i i get what you mean about people may then have um a way a way of thinking that is detrimental to them like you, like with yourself you said about those those five chips. Um I think the way I, I tend to look at our our trips and falls that uh, things like that is in terms of war. Um that you may constantly be at war with the demons, but every yeah. day that you're speaking to me, every day that you're up, you're beating them. Yeah. And occasionally they will win ground, but that doesn't yes. mean you're you're back down so i think that's the way i look at it because if you think of it in terms of war with in terms of the world now there's constantly battles going on all over the world we have deployment of troops from the uk from france from america we're in peacetime Mm -hmm. your mind can be at rest in some way and you can be doing okay even if you're getting bloodied even even though occasionally that battle may push you back you may get a you know you you may be um hit you may get cuts and bruises but at the same time you're still winning there's no the war is nowhere near lost there's a small battle that's just happened because you've you've binged um there's a small battle that's happened because of something else but it doesn't mean that you've lost a war and i think of it in terms of suicidal depression for instance um for people with suicide depression depending on what um where we are in, on that kind of scale and, and how we're identifying it people that have very long-running suicidal depression still have suicidal depression when they're not trying to commit suicide but mm-hmm. so that's the way i look at it is that we don't say um that they don't have depression just because they've gone a day without trying yeah. um, and that that's that, that i think that's the way i identify it because that for me the re, the con- consistent re- reaffirmation of of fuck those demons you know every day that they're trying to get you um you fought back and yes yesterday you binged or yesterday you you cut yourself yesterday you um you cry whatever it is something happened today you're not today you're here talking to me yeah you're here something in your brain is fighting back because even if right now you are binging right now you are Going through, um, you know, self harm, anything like that. You're currently talking to me. You're currently talking to a therapist. You're currently talking to Dave. You're currently talking to somebody else. That the fact that somewhere in your in your mind, there's something in in there going, "No, I will not go." I w- well, is it Dylan Thomas? I will not go um, lightly into that good night. Yeah. Um. I will rage rage against the dying of the light. It's that idea that no matter what is happening, the battle's going on, and there's a, a voice stronger in your head than any of your demons which is why i quite like the idea of of it being a um you know to to kind of say that that's constantly there because and it becomes a battle that you're that you're always winning even when your life is perfect don't fucking exist guys but like everything's worked (laughs) out and you may never have a a relapse of any kind in 40 years but you get to tell yourself every day not relapse I'm doing this i'm, I'm moving forward and it's just the, the way I, I look at it there because because of how that um probably comes back onto my own mental health issues and things like that i always like the idea and it's probably because of the, the kind of martial arts background i like the idea of just winning in a fight basically yeah, um, yeah. and it, it's just that kind of thing the the thing you said earlier about the um the oh, what was it when you said about um when somebody's going through um that they've gone a day without. Um, binging things like that, yep. and to reward it is yep. something I also said um, in things, and I, I agree with it wholeheartedly. It's when people set themselves New Year's resolutions, for instance, and then they'll get in a de- depressive spiral, or they'll get stressed about not being able to do it because they'll go right. They'll come from having done nothing in the fitness, nothing at all, <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. whatever, and they'll go, "I'm going to do a marathon by," you know, this will be January. There, I'm going to do a marathon by August. Now, technically. That might happen you might be absolutely fine and and you might just have a a, um a punch on for being able to do it however what happens if you don't manage it let's say there's a pandemic because i can guarantee you now you don't blame the pandemic you'll blame yourself oh yeah well why didn't i can do it earlier i could have done it in my living room i could have gone back and forth look at those people on tv they've done it in the balcony that's what you'll blame you won't blame yourself you won't blame it you'll blame yourself um whereas if you make a load of other steps and instead of just having that one, that if it goes wrong, you're, you're nothing. How about going, right, I'm going to do a park run. Then I'm going to do um, a normal 5K. Then I'm going to do a 10 k, I'm do half marathon. I'm going to do 20-miler. I'm going to be able to do a relay. Then I'm going to do um, a marathon. Now, you may not ever do that marathon, but you've hit six other of the seven yeah. along the way absolutely if you don't get you could not do a half marathon or a marathon or even get up to the you've still done you've still done four of the seven at some point you're going fuck yeah i've done this i've done this whereas before the other way around you're going and it doesn't matter how close you were you could have been the day before the marathon and it got cancelled because of um covid or you fall over and injure your ankle it's something completely out of control but however you go i didn't do it that's yeah. all that you remind yourself of. Whereas if you go and you reward yourself for everything leading up to it, then even when you fall, you get to go, yeah, I, I made it this way as well. You know, it's like, it's the idea of getting to the, um, with the with the, marath- with the marathon is going up some stairs, getting all the way nearly to the top and then falling and constantly falling all the way back down. Whereas if mm-hmm. you start the, um, the park run um, and you get to the park run, that's your level off as if you're in a shopping center that you know it levels off a bit more. And so then you go up to do the 10, uh, the 5k. Oh, you, you can't manage it, you fall back down. But you don't fall all the way back down, you fall back down to the park run that yeah. leveling off. Yeah. And you yeah, do absolutely. that each time. It gives you that. It's you know, who wants to be a millionaire when you get, you get the safety bits?
1: Um, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, that's the thing actually. I I like to compare it to the weakest link as well, because um some people like you know, a bit with the weakest link, it's like there's if you bank it, you get it. Like, but And obviously the risk becomes higher the further you go away from your comfort zone. So you start off by you can bank a tenner and it works up to being bank a thousand or whatever it might be. And that's the whole thing is like that. We sometimes we need to, some people are going for that thousand pound question as fast as humanly possible and forgetting to bank any little bit along the way. And yeah, OK, for some people, they'll get there and they'll get it. And it'll be like this inspirational story. This person set out to run four thousand miles this year, and they totally and utterly smashed it. And we'll be like, yeah! Um, But those—the reason that we celebrate those stories is because they are the exceptions to the rule. You know, Mm. like we love we love the story about like, oh, this person was told by Simon Cowell that they'd never be a singer. like and they went on to prove him wrong and we love those stories and then we go this is why no one should ever say that someone will never be anything and it's like (laughs) yeah but then how many people is he kind of told that'll never be a singer that we all sit there and go yeah they, (laughs) they, they they probably can't you know and it's like we're told oh yeah absolutely encourage everybody in everything that they do ever um which goes back to the well I don't want to hurt them by telling them they can't do something but um but you know like I am actually are they gonna actually now spend the rest of their lives trying to be something that we all know deep down that they're actually they're not gonna achieve. It's the case of I suppose who are we to make those decisions for people, but well, everyone, but yeah, there's um yeah.
0: everyone there's has no one size fits all. Why, why we, <laughs> like, if, I mean, why? if everyone has a story, why are we trying to live the same one? It's yeah, you know. Um it's quite funny when you say weakest link, because I was on the weakest link. If anyone can find that, two thousand and five, you can find it, well done. I okay. thought I recognized you. <laughs> i mean i was i was still 20 old stone and i had um greeny blue hair um but yeah you go for it um but yeah it's it's, it's quite that's interesting. given me all the search criteria <laughs> i need but, i mean yeah I, I and i i'm well aware for anyone that's um listening from my from my my twitch channel or anything like that that i'm yeah i'm doing 15 marathons in 15 days and i am i am of the um opinion of going no i'm doing them all and i'm well mm. aware that i'm i am in that self-destructive thing but that's kind of helpful that I'm aware that I'm being a fucking idiot by doing it. But the thing <laughs> is, I will. I, I, I'm. I, I'm up for the challenge on Twitch. I'm up for the challenge on on YouTube outside of this um, podcast. Uh, and the reason is, is because it was set up to do challenges. Um, so that's what I, I do. And I, is a is a is me reaffirming for for various reasons. It's also for other um, more things we won't go into on this podcast but for for more kind of depressive reasons and to help charity so um i'm aware of of that thing and i probably would be the person that beat myself up for not being able to do it but it's it's knowing that the next day is going to be you know it's going to be something else like i've i've only ever entered so i've done several marathons there's only one that's ever beaten me that i've had to give up and it's because um i i uh it's cursed i've done it twice it's the same marathon I've done. it's 50 miles so that's I not a marathon then that's there, an ultra marathon that's not a marathon it's, an, it's a marathon it's an ultra it's an ultra marathon, marathon. <laughs> it's not a marathon um but the, the, the thing is it's not the distance that's killed me because i've I, so i've done four marathons in four days five marathons in five days the, the, the distance isn't the issue for me the first time i i have a chronic ankle injury and i fell over about 20 seven miles in so part the of the, completed the marathon, marathon <laughs> yeah, it doesn't count it doesn't count that's what annoys me um and i i um i i fell over and um inj- and basically re-injured my ankle so i couldn't do it and then the second time um i was again i was about 20 miles in something like that and it was one of the hottest days um in recent time in the uk and i just could i just was just i had people passing me who i knew from um from the marathon kind of community which is actually really small in the UK really um when you get into the people that are doing multiple ones and he'd done I mean he does a, a mar- two marathons every weekend he's on like 400 or something and he mm-hmm. was there going I don't know if I can complete but I'm still there going I fucking hate this but it's the same one like, but I always have the thing I have a, um I have a tattoo the first tattoo I ever had which is um, um which is no retreat no surrender and that's the way I kind of go for the um the marathons and the thing is I know that's toxic to myself but I still have that thing of, if I enter a marathon, if I actually, so if I start a marathon, I finish it. But I, again, the next day or the next time you do a marathon, that still goes away. That still goes away in my head because it's like, wait, that battle wasn't won. But this battle will be. That's gone. That one, uh, you know, I, I dropped that. It's, it's, if you look at um, various wars, the American War of Independence. Britain didn't get beaten britain gave up because we had to deal with the spanish and the french who were actually helping the 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 french were helping america at the time but there's always a narrative of um of everything working out and how they were you know the brits won more of the battles than um than americans by a fucking long way (laughs) but the americans won technically so it doesn't matter if you're pushed back doesn't matter what happens at some point um, either you will win over or you will exhaust your demons to the point where your demons just can't handle pushing you back anymore. So, that so in like that movie. note, is it toxic to you to do that? It's it, toxic in what sense?
1: Well, it's it's not. It It could be the very thing that's keeping you alive
0: and keeping you going and keeping you striving for things. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it could be. But I mean, the, the demon, I, I, I like the idea of, of having that fight. I, I think that fight is important because I think if you never have that fight, then you're doing nothing. In fact, I think some of the most oppressed people in the world probably never have that fight because all they ever have is a voice that's devoid, either their own voice that's devoid of any um, critique or it's the voice of the demons that never have something wanting to push back. It's you know? Bullies, bullies at school. At some point, your bullies give the fuck up because you're just too much for them to t- handle. You don't have to, to to do anything. They just kind of go, you know what? Fuck this. He's th- Then it's not getting to them. It's not, fuck, fuck sake. I can't do it anymore. It's the same as your demons. At some point, they will just, they will stop. Mm-hmm. And yes, at some point in the future, you may do something that wakes them up again and they'll start attacking again. But you've beaten them once. You will beat them again. But there we go. Anyway, well, you, know, guys- you know,
1: at the very beginning of the podcast, when you like, not even the podcast, when we first came oh, on yeah, here yeah. this morning, you asked, how am I? I and mean, I said, and I said, yeah, I'm a little bit overweight at the moment. I'm a little bit like Goldilocks. I want it to be just right. <laughs> um, and the, the thing is, I made a, I made a video on YouTube about, I don't know, tail end of last year. That's called the Goldilocks principle, basically, which is about the fact that I believe in depression. Um, we it, The idea of burnout is so readily talked about in depression now, people trying to do too much and trying to do everything and then falling short of it and then burning out and then feeling depressed. Um, and I actually think that what's not being talked about enough is kind of what you just said then is that there are some people that don't do anything. And I, I, I tried to take my own life 11 years ago. You know, when I was, when that happened, I genuinely believed that I had zero capabilities. I believed that I couldn't, I couldn't at the time cook for the kids. I couldn't keep the, the clothes clean or this myself clean, get out of bed, do an hour, do an hour of work or anything like that. And I believe that actually, if I'd have stayed in that, i mean well if i, just, I if I, I wouldn't have still be here today if i have stayed in that you know i wouldn't and it's um it's an interesting thing that the idea of like of self development or or striving for a career that you that you excel in or a sport that you excel in it's an There's an idea that all these things are kind of like parts of parts of like capitalist propaganda and all the rest of it it's like thing is as humans the re- the very reason that we're able to have these conversations on these devices and people are able to listen to them on phones while they drive in the car and all the rest of this stuff is because long before capitalism or any illism existed you know there was no socialism communism capitalism at one point that we there was just there was a bunch of Stone Age people that were like, Oh, these tools are cool. We can make something better with these. Basically, Minecraft on a large scale, you know, instead of doing it over the course of like a, a weekend where you go from having absolutely nothing to building the Sistine Chapel out of marble. It's like there was someone who said, Oh yeah, if I punch this tree enough, probably <laughs> then it falls down and I can make a wooden axe, you know? And um and then, if I use the wooden axe, I can then get to get and make a wooden pickaxe. And if I use the wooden pickaxe, I can get stone and I can make stone stuff and I can get. And literally, that's just happened over time. It is built into uh, it is built into our species more than seemingly more than any other species on the face of this planet to to actually develop and strive. And I believe that when we lose connection to that, and when we do, when we don't strive for anything whatsoever, um, it's like. You know, then I believe that we we lose a fundamental sense of purpose. And without that fundamental sense of purpose, like okay, the way I like to describe it, tires put too much pressure in a tire and it bursts, put too little pressure in a tire and it runs flat. And you know, I know it seems like a, a sort of a very mild way to describe depression, but how many people have described depression as I just feel flat? You know I just feel flat, there's nothing there, got nothing to do. Like we need a little bit of pressure, we need a little bit of striving. We need to
0: all be up for the challenge. Yes. yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I was gonna say with with um with the purpose thing as well, is I think it can be taken, it can be taken um too much sometimes. So I think there's a creation of your own purpose, and um I think we we often try and find something outside of ourselves, which is the same thing I said um, a minute ago, which is we all have our own story. Why are we trying to have the same, why are we trying to live the same one? Yeah. Is that we agree that there's a greater purpose, whatever. And I know people think that and talk about religion, but that's not necessarily it. Um, you know, from from when it, when it finally come, comes out and I can sort out the fucking um, barcodes, but I have a book on, on intelligence. And one of the lines on it is, um, perhaps mankind's most traditional of follies is the wanton need for reason and purpose because that that continued push to understand all that that push to do that is something that actually is detrimental to ourselves at that point rather than just going this is appropriate for here Mm -hmm. this purpose is right here this way of understanding is appropriate here we tend to go i want the reason and the purpose for all i want to 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 push ourselves two more and that's what that's what happens is you go for that that marathon that's too high you go for that i've got to go a year without binging and that and and you don't just go no no no. this is right for this this is mm-hmm. right for this and that's the kind of way to go forward in my opinion but right guys um i think we will leave it there i'm sure dave has a lot of other things to do i have to, i need to ease get out of the, the house <laughs> I have my um but yes. Yeah, so thank you very much for for joining us dave um hopefully people um if there is any of you left i mean thank you Thank, uh, thank, thank you thank you um but uh hopefully you've enjoyed this i'm gonna put the details for both mine and uh dave's twitch below i'm also going to include um both of our websites as well because there are different resources um on both websites uh we have them laid out differently and they're for different things and everything like that so there are resources that you can find on both both pages so the websites and the twitch streams will be on both um, as you can see we may agree on things but we also disagree on the way we put it forward so you might find one of us um a, a better read or a better um thing person to listen to or you might just enjoy both of us or you might be like just fuck off both of you <laughs> <The> way- <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Um, and thank My you pleasure. all. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everyone.